Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders. In ancient times, hanging gardens, great pyramids and other superstructures were celebrated as wonders of the world. And like days of the week and deadly sins, there were always seven of them. But what are the seven wonders you would put on your personal list? That's the question I ask my guests in this podcast. And the guest I'm asking today is an exciting young comedian. She's appeared on any number of TV and radio shows, gained rave reviews here in Edinburgh and elsewhere for her stand-up comedy. She's also co-founded The Lol Word, which puts on female, non-binary, queer comedy nights in London. Please welcome Chloe Petz. Okay. Hello, Clive. Yeah, hello. So, welcome, Clive. And I have met you before. I've had even interviewed before, but this is a um, a more meticulous inquiry into your life because it, through the mechanism of these seven wonders. So, I hope that was okay to. Sit yeah, down absolutely. And... I'm very excited to do it because I feel like um, sometimes at the Edinburgh Fringe you can sort of lose sight of um, the important things because you get locked in this bubble. So it's really nice to yeah. be able to like reconnect with some right. important things. So tell us about your show you're doing, first of all. Um, now, it's quite a challenging title, your, your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's called If You Can't Say Anything Nice and it's basically sort of like an exploration of my own anger because yeah. um, I feel like uh, in the UK, particularly in England, we like to think we're sort of a polite people and we, we kind of repress all of our anger. But um, I, I think that... Um, well, actually, um, we've got to let it out sometimes. And um, and if you don't do it in a sort of responsible way, then it can come out in a negative way. So I'm sort of trying to encourage people to embrace their angry sides. So are you suggesting your previous show or shows have been uh, not as angry and it's, it's, it's no more... Uh, I'm, I don't mean to gender it, but it's no more Mr. Nice Guy this time. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I mean, that is directly a line that I say in my show is no more Mr. Nice, Chloe. Okay. Because I, I feel like my last show, I sort of... Um, yeah, I, I tried to break big ideas around gender and sexuality in sort of manageable bite-sized chunks. Um, I, tr- I, I sort of single-handedly tried to cure transphobia, but you might have noticed, if anything, over the course of the last year, it's got far worse, um, which is why I've kind of taken this change of tactic. I'm thinking if politeness doesn't work, maybe anger's what I need it's to go It's certainly got a more prominent uh, discussion point, but you you do a, is it a, a, um, a weekly, a monthly comedy club a comedy performance called lol the lol word what, what, what's the lol that word. yeah yeah so um the lol word is this like it's this sort of mixed bill that we run i run it with another comedian called jody mitchell who's absolutely fantastic like a drag king um has a character called john travolver who's fantastic i would thoroughly recommend their show to, i think i heard that correctly yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah what i said yes um, and then and then a double act called shelf who are equally fantastic and um we We've been running it. We actually started it maybe like five, six years ago at the Fringe. And uh, we've been running it ever since. And we just get like queer women, non-binary people to come on and perform. And we do it every month at the Soho Theatre. And it's always just so fun and so uproarious. Um, yeah. So yeah, come to that as well if you want. And now the show you're doing here in Edinburgh, it's for the, it's a whole run in the festival. But then that... That's going on tour as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's going on tour. Which, again, I, I really love going on tour. I feel like um, you... Um, 
yeah, I don't know. You just get you just get like these special moments with these audiences that are, that are yeah. quite unique. Yeah. So you do one, you know, one performance in a town and then move on that that sort of tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and it, no, it's, it's great. I, I absolutely love it. And including a week as well at the Soho Theatre again to give yes, mention absolutely. That. So, so anybody hearing us on the podcast, if there's too late for them to get to Edinburgh, they can they can track you down the country. Please, I, I insist. I would love to have you all there. Right, jolly good. Right now, let's get on to your wonders then. Mm. So uh, an, a, a good range of wonders, some of which I go, oh, yeah, or others I go, mm, not sure, uh, which is a perfect combination. <laughs> but the first one is football, specifically celebrating a goal. So you had me at football, but then you kind of lost me at specifically celebrating a goal. But so now last year when I did a load of these uh, ones, we had a lot of football getting mentioned every now and then, but hardly anything this this time. Maybe people have gone off football apart from yourself. <laughs> so so I, I do know a little bit about you. So you're a football, you support Crystal Palace, which is a, you know, uh, pe- people up here may not have heard of Crystal Palace, but it's a, it's a. We've got any Palace fans in? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the loudest lucky. silence I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Have we got any Brighton fans in? No, oh, oh. that's that's our big rivals. Yeah. Um, why the, why are you rivals, Crystal Palace and Brighton? Uh, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly the dumbest rivalry in the history of football rivalries. What happened is in the seventies, our two managers were rivals from their playing days. Across one season, we played each other five times, and across those five games, it sort of spilled from the players into the pitch, into the, the stadium, and we've hated each other ever since, which means because two men had an argument over 50 years ago, I now get angry every time I see a seagull. <laughs> this is a bad city to be in then, isn't it? A really it? Yeah. bad city. Yeah. You should see me out on George Square just <laughs> everywhere I go. Um, Who yeah. are the two managers? I'm sorry to... Uh, uh, to... It was Alan Mullery and... Help me out. There's nobody else... Oh, the Brighton fans might know. Uh, Alan Mullery and... Oh, this is fantastic. You, you can remember the rivalry, not the reason for it. That's, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. But this is yeah. what football is like. This is why we love football so much is because I hate, but instinctively, though, these people in the audience who just cheer for Brighton, they're probably the nicest people you will ever meet in your life, but I immediately despise them. <laughs> and I can't even remember why. And that's what's fantastic about yes. football. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm, I just occurs. I want to go too, you know, serious on this topic. But there was a time, maybe it's died out now. There was quite a lot of sort of homophobic abuse about uh, Brighton fans. Which yeah, absolutely. Must have put you in an awkward spot. Yeah. yeah. So for, you you can probably tell if you're looking at me live in this room that I am gay. Um, and it probably sort of has um, permeated the airways as well. If you're listening at home, um, but um, yeah, I just join in. <laughs> 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 no, no, I, yes. I always call it out, and I think um, the palace, the palace stewards are doing really well at sort of um, c- yeah. containing it. it. Was notoriously able to take on board <laughs> yeah, feedback and criticism. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, um, I'm more than happy to uh, call out, yeah. call out a big geezer. Well, now I'm happy to talk about football, but the thing about football is that if you're interested in football, it's an all-absorbing topic. But if you're not interested in football, it's completely dead areas. Like, why should you care whether players wearing a blue shirt should beat a team wearing a red shirt or blue and green hoops? You know, anything like that. You can't really get it. But so, can we? I want to hone in on the celebrating a goal aspect. And maybe this is like a good way of sort of. I, I do feel quite reticent to sort of speak ad infinitum about football in front of people that don't necessarily connect with it but I think specifically celebrating a goal is something I feel so sad for people who never get to experience how fantastic you know one man scoring a goal and then so against another man or one woman scoring a goal against another woman is it's absolutely mesmeric and yes. um you know and, and I can completely empathize with 
the man who put a flare up his bum in Leicester Square. Like, it feels that good, you just want to pop it up there. <laughs> but normally they don't do quite as much as that. But, uh, but, but I think celebrations have got more and more in the uh, years that I've been watching football. It used to be a sort of a, a manly handshake was about as far as anybody went. Now, you, they do cartwheels. Uh, yeah. they, they've got prearranged little dance sequences. There's the rocking of a, of, of a babe in arms if, if one or the other has just had a baby. Or... Not an actual baby for those that don't. No football, then well, it's getting that one way, onto the yeah, pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of things. Now, um, I, 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 I follow Arsenal, and there, there was a time when Pierre Omeric Aubameyang uh, was a player, and he used to do a sort of backflip or a for, forward flip. And I would think, if I was the manager, I would have said to him, "Look, Back it's great in. to score a goal, but don't do that because yeah. you're yeah. going to get it wrong and you're, you're going to break injury. your back yeah. halfway through a game. Don't do that." So, mm-hmm. are you ever worried about the? Um, the extreme celebrations. Yeah, well, I'm not. It's not even the extreme celebrations. It's um, my favourite genre of celebration is a failed knee slide. Oh yes, because it looks really funny and pathetic when yeah. someone's done the coolest thing in the whole entire world, which yeah. is score a goal, and then they try and do a knee slide, and their knees get stuck in the grass, and they just yeah. go tumbling over. And it looks really painful as well. But they're having to sort of style it out in front of all of their friends. Yes, going, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. So for the non-football fans, if somebody's just scored a goal and instead of saying, hey, I've scored a goal, they run usually towards the touchline and then they slide on their, their knees. But if the pitch hasn't been watered enough or they get the angle wrong, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. A, yeah. Well, do you have a favourite um, celebration? No, I don't. I, I, have, I have strong views which don't really accord with yours. I say, I think the first thing uh, that's, let's say a, a, a guy's just tapped the ball into the goal. He is the, it could be a woman obviously, but he is the goal scorer. Mm. And he goes off celebrating with the crowd. He should have first go to the guy who passed it to him <laughs> and say, thank you very much for the dribble along the pitch or the, the accuracy. But they don't often do that. They just ignore yeah. their colleague who's, uh, who's assisted it and created the chance and take all the credit for pushing it <laughs> six inches over the line. Yeah, but it does feel good. I, <laughs> I think if I played at the Emirates or something and I tapped a goal in that would be the best moment of my whole entire life and I would go doing laps of the yes. so I can kind of empathise with why that what about is. running towards the, the away or the, the opposition supporters doing do an Adebayor yes um, yeah. yeah I think I yeah I, I do feel like um, ideologically outside of football I'd say I'm a, a pretty decent person when it comes to football I'm absolutely horrid so I think if I did score a goal I would go and bait some away fans and um, try and make yeah. some people really angry at me yeah well what is it there are another couple of issues with this as well uh, for some reason the last few years uh, players have liked to celebrate uh, goals by taking their shirt off yeah and that for some reason is regarded as a wrong thing to do I think it's something to do with annoying the sponsors because they can't see the, the name of the sponsor at the very moment they want to be able to. But anyway, it's against the rules and the player gets booked for doing it. So they get a caution. And now if I was a manager, I would say to you, for goodness sake, don't get an extra booking just for celebrating. Go, don't do that. And yet they still do it. But do you not think that um, if you spent that long on making your body look that good, you'd want to show it off? Well, I, that's, that's a very hypothetical question in my case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, 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 that comes into it. I wouldn't feel the need to End show End of the show, if we have a good podcast record, Clive's going to yeah. unzip it and give you all a little glimpse. <laughs> uh, don't wish that on the world. That's, uh, literally nobody wants to see that. Um, but but uh, you could be the manager of Crystal Palace one day. Would you not say to your players, don't do that? We, we, you, you only get in and you've got a, a, a booking for something st- silly later on the game and you're sent off. You can't even play in the next game. So 
Yeah, I'd say there's absolutely no, no need, but I guess the, the counter argument would be the passion overtakes you and you sort of yeah. want to rip your own clothes off. So I, I couldn't really complain about that, I guess. Well, I'm sorry to keep dragging it back to Arsenal, but there are anything things that at the end of one, it was admittedly an FA Cup final. Um, there was a celebration involving Tony Adams and another player. I think it's Steve Morrow. And he, he managed to break his arm because uh, he fell off Tony Adams. And that was just celebrating the victory. And it wasn't done deliberately. And it was in the context of a win. But how stupid is that? So you're sort of anti-celebration. I am. You, I'm very. You think I'm, we should go back to the the, the civilized handshake? I'm very dour Puritan person <laughs> deep down. So, but when you go and see the Arsenal, yes. what are you what are you doing in the stand when, I, when they're scoring? I leap up. I mean, it sounds laughable in a way, even at my advanced age. I mm-hmm. and I. I mean, of course, I sometimes anticipate it, and when it, you do look ridiculous, then because you've leapt up. Oh, oh so nearly <laughs> gone. No, that was nearly gone, wasn't it? Just went round the post. <laughs> well, the other thing that's <laughs> the other thing that uh, mind you. The, where I sit, there's a fairly, uh, you know, people of certain age there, and I'm just showing off that I can leap up. Uh, <laughs> so it's a very dull nil all draw. I leap up anyway because uh, it's half time. Just to, uh, so the other thing that's uh, again, uh, we, we'll get off football in a minute for non-football fans. Uh, this goal celebration has now been largely spoiled. The whole essence of a goal has been spoiled for logical reasons, but for unfortunate reasons, because almost every goal now, in fact, every goal is has to be checked to see if it was all right. So they have to go to you know, television footage and they go through it in case it was offside, in case there was a handball, in case it didn't cross whichever line. And so you, you get a double celebration, but neither is as good as just it's a goal. Yes, yes. I suppose we've sort of learned to like let ourselves go slightly again with VAR, video assistant referee, because um, you sort of you, you you get a sense whether something could have been a bit on the edge and you, you celebrate the goal and you think mm, this could be checked. But what I would say, it's added in an extra dynamic of if someone scores against you and they've done a massive celebration and then it gets chalked out for whatever, yeah. for VIR, you then get to celebrate back in their face. And yes. there's something very smug and fantastic yeah. about that. I'm really, I'm, I'm gutted that we I chose football as my first thing because I think I'm giving a terrible impression to all of you. <laughs> I promise you I'm a far nicer person than I'm describing. Well, I think uh, I think football does bring out the worst in all of us. Uh, and in terms of, you know, rivalries and <laughs> hatreds and crazy celebrate, all, all those things are a bit weird. And that's, you know, why we enjoy it, partially. Yeah, of course. Um, but what, what was it that led you into football in the first place? Was, did you, everybody at home and your family, you all Crystal Palace supporters? Or, or yeah, what? Dad's Palace. Um, and uh, he, well, he always said when I was a child that I didn't have to support Palace if I didn't want to. Mm. Um, and that he never forced it on me. But if you see every single picture of me between the age of naught and two, I am covered in Crystal <laughs> Palace paraphernalia. <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure how much um, I chose it yeah. or sort of it was forced upon me. But... Um, yeah, as soon as as soon as I was able to go, I and and choose the clothes. I decided to carry on wearing the palace kit, and yeah, um, yeah I've just just loved it ever since. And I think children pick up the emotional thing of it anyway. That before they even know what football is, they know. Oh, come on, Palace, or come on, Arsenal. It's just, it's yeah, thing. for yeah. sure. Yeah. And but also, I think I think playing it as well was a big thing. And I feel like there's quite like an innate desire in in humans, whatever age, to if there's a round thing in front of you, just give it a kick. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I just I just really loved it. Yes. So do you play football as well? I I, I played um, to a decent level up until the age of 16. And then I um, 
I, I sort of I found it a bit too pressured. Yeah. Um, so I fell off. But now I play for leisure now, and I yeah. really really like it. And do you uh, are you excited by the rise and rise of women's football? Just now, absolutely. We're recording so. this in the middle of a of a women's World Cup, and here in Edinburgh, I know the excitement is intense uh, for, <laughs> for how well the England team is doing. It's uh, it's practically palpable when the game is on. <laughs> I'm really having to wind my neck in. Like um, I'm just sort of. Uh, whispering it's coming home yeah. under my breath um, yeah got ice it's mate who who watched the game yeah. right for three of you yeah that's um, the and they're um, all brighton fans so there's no you can't even make common cause i love i loved it though it's amazing and what i would say is what's cool about the women's game is um i've watched it since i was a child and the quality when i was a child was really poor mm. because they were women that were having to have full-time jobs and train maybe three times a week and then play on the weekend which means that they weren't elite athletes and it, it means that every single tournament that you have isn't just a world cup isn't just a euros it's a marker of how far the game has come right. and every tournament you come to sort of euros every every four years world cup every four years you think it can't get better it can't get better and then the quality just absolutely mm. exceeds all your expectations and you feel quite emotional because the like being able to see something developing that way is 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 a really cool thing to have it's it's interesting though to see women footballers behave roughly the same as men footballers because yeah. sometimes you attribute some misbehaviors in life to well that's men that's testosterone that's, uh, but then you see a woman footballer stamping on the leg of, a, of an opponent in just the same way as as john yeah. terry would have done when he was playing absolutely your, your emotions get away from you like when it means so much you, you put everything into it and that can lead to sort of a, cl a cloud yeah. in judgment what i will say though is occasionally though in the women's game there'll be there'll be a challenge and I think if that was in the men's game that would lead to like a 22 man brawl whereas yeah. in the women's game they just shake hands and run off smiling it's lovely well we'll 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 see uh, <laughs> uh, anyway well thank you very much for your first wonder that's uh, football and the celebrations that uh, that you enjoy and a lot of people enjoy but I'm, I would just stamp out if I was in charge of things <laughs> um, uh, so your next wonder takes it to a completely different area perhaps a more I don't know, intellectual area, but the it's Raymond Carver short stories. Oh, yeah, I've forgotten I've chosen this one. Oh, um, right. You can't well, remember who Robert, Robert Carver, <laughs> Raymond yeah, Carver is. Yeah, of course I can. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah. if, um, yeah, can I uh, entertain an audience by talking about it for the next seven minutes? I'm yeah. not sure. Well, he's um, an American writer of short stories, obviously. So yeah. what, what, what led you to him and what, what would you want to big up about him? I think he's the absolute best in the biz. I think that it's like, almost like the democratization of literature because I feel like there's nothing it's both like super liter literary but incredibly accessible because it's telling stories about humans and telling stories about humans in America in these quite um yeah on most works of literature stories about humans I mean other than Watership Down it's pretty much uh, <laughs> Pretty, pretty much the usual subject matter. I'll take that on board. Um, maybe maybe I, uh, I'll change my language to um, maybe like a certain demographic of humans that aren't necessarily, haven't, hadn't up until that point necessarily been yeah. depicted like that yes. within literature. Because I feel like he's, he's talking about sort of really gritty stuff like alcoholism, addiction. Yeah. Um, so he had quite, a, quite a, a roughish life. Uh, um, to, to do with alcohol and to, to do with it. He came from a, you know, a modest background and it got sort of worse, even, even as his literary skills were being developed. Yeah, and, but, but, and, I, and I feel like there's a sort of like honesty to his writing that 
comes from those issues where it feels like he I don't know often it feels like he's writing from the gut and and he, he'll write these incredible stories and then I think there's a lot of um he, he'll do a lot of editing to make them sort of literary and um satisfactory to read but I feel like uh yeah yeah he, he's writing from his gut and he's writing to process and he's writing to to demonstrate real life and yes. I guess that's what I mean by human he's yeah. he's demonstrating real life and something that we can recognize and making that literary yeah so, and you've you've specified his short story. So, are short stories is that a form that you particularly like anyway? Not not just his, but, but yeah, generally, I absolutely love it. I think it's 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 maybe my favourite medium of art because mm. I feel like you can. It, it feels yeah, democratic is a good thing. Like anyone can do it, um, and it it's it's easy to read. It's not requiring sort of like a your attention for any length of time you could just pick up one read it in half an hour and and because it's like it, it it's less like a sort of unfolding novel it, it sometimes it feels like yeah. a, a stand-up routine where there, it builds and then there's a punchline or a payoff at the end it feels like you see a person at like a very significant moment in their life and then you get to yeah. go, go on that journey with them and, and just take away something and be like a tiny little bit changed after I'm, it. I'm glad you put it like that because I once judged a short story competition and I did an interview about it and I foolishly, as it turned out, said, well, there is a similarity between a short story and a joke because very often a short story, you know, proceeds and then there's a twist at the end, as, as you say, a payoff like at the end of a, a routine or something. Uh, but uh, I don't know where it was published, but then a lot of more more literary people than than I was perhaps thought I shouldn't have been the chairman of the judges so uh, <laughs> oh, how ridiculous short stories cake lots of different form so suggest it's anything like a joke it just shows so I, think, oh, oh, I won't say that again but luckily <laughs> you, you said it so I can say oh, that's uh, interesting yeah thing. but I also think that's probably more like a, that's more like a snobbiness about stand-up comedy uh, stand-up comedy I yeah. feel like we always get seen as like the lowest art form when actually famously we're the highest um <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 led, what led you into stand-up comedy rather than, let's say, short story writing? But when, when did you start doing it? When you, were you 12 or were you, you know, 22? What, what's, what was your, your start? I feel like uh, I'm going to undermine everything I just said and say, say I started stand-up because I wasn't good enough to do anything else. <laughs> but but I, I, um, I was an actor. I, well, I wanted to be an actor. At uni, I did loads of plays and stuff. Were you studying drama? or, or I studied in English Lit. Yes. But we had like a really good drama yeah. um like uh, u uh union or something where was it which which uni we at ucl in? ucl so it's a london uh well well supplied university yeah of, yeah very yeah. good so we we would do like plays at the bloomsbury theater yeah every um every term and couple every term and that was really cool and i really liked it but i felt a sense that um every character i played i was always trying to play it for a laugh even if it was just like romeo and juliet yes. or something i'd be be looking like what 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 can be funny here <laughs> and when i left uni i didn't fancy the life of like trying to go to a drama school and then get an agent and be very reliant upon other people to sort of create your work so i thought oh, i'll just go and try doing some stand-up and a, a teacher had said to me when i was like 15 or something like you should do stand-up yeah. and it had always been in the back of my head and then eventually what happened is i just told so many people that i was going to do stand-up that 
it almost like forced me to do it because they would hold me accountable. So like yeah. I say to someone like, I'm going to do stand up. And then six months later, I bump into them. And they'd be like, did you do stand up? I'd be like, no. Uh, and eventually the guilt became such that I was like, I've got, I've got, got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I guilted myself into stand up. Can you remember your first uh, gig, your first perform? Did you do an open mic or a, or a five minute somewhere? Yeah, I did an open mic at a pub called The Rose and Crown, hosted by a man called Andy Onions. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I packed it with all of my friends. Yeah. I was steaming drunk. It always was, a good start. For always doing, a great start. Do, yeah. But like objectively, if someone had filmed it, probably one of the worst gigs anyone's ever done. But yeah. I felt like I smashed it. Yeah. And then the second one was the one that I went to where my feet were solidly back on the ground. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is this is really, really hard. Yes. Um, probably best not to do it when you're steaming drunk. Maybe get the audience drunk and then... And then, it, <laughs> and then it's, yeah, come on, guys, drink yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, you, you could be a double act. You, you, you know, pets and onions would be a great. Pet. Uh, you know, not that onions mix with pets very well. If, if the pet is a dog, then what about to onions? Chloe pets onions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't no, quite work. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> anyway, so you, so you, you got over the first one, then you got the second one, then you thought, right, no, I think I can do this. I yeah, I don't, know, I, but I don't know why I kept at it because, like, there were times when I despised it. Because it's re like it's really scary. It's a really scary thing to do, particularly when you first start doing it and you're absolutely rubbish and you are, yeah. but sort of exposing yourself to judgment. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was something within me that just kept me doing it, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I have. What, what about hecklers? Are you are you a good dealer with hecklers? Or I love you... dealing with hecklers. Yes. It's my favourite <laughs> thing. Yeah, honestly, have at it. I'll I'll take yeah. you down. Um, yeah, I, sometimes I feel like a little bit like I'm cheating a little bit because I'm I'll like have bits in my show where I sort of invite heckles. Yes. Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just really like it. I really like it when it feels live in the room. It feels like we're you know we're we're sharing something together as yeah. performer and audience. And and do you do that thing that some comedians do? They'll do a you know this performance. They'll say, oh well, there was a time you know six weeks ago somebody said to me in the audience, and I said back, yeah. and you get the you get the and they may or may not have happened, but either way, you're getting a laugh out of a heckle that's happened months before. Yeah, I try I try not to do that because I feel like that that can be a little bit like like a a bit of a like look how I got the, yeah. got this person. Um, yeah, I, t I tend to just sort of stick to the heckles that come at me. All right. So anyway, we're, we're straying slightly away from... So it's Raymond Carver. Is there a particular short story or collection of short stories anyone who's not read his work should start with? Um, what we talk about when we talk about love, I think is an amazing collection. But I read this this big... Uh, I, forget, I forget what it was called, but it was a collection of all of them. And that yeah. was like an amazing thing to do because it was like maybe like eight or 900 pages of short stories. Right. And when you get 400 pages in, you're like, my God, like I, I think I've read too much yeah. of this because you can't, you start seeing a formula and you can almost like see the scaffolding of how he's hanging things together. And it becomes a little bit like artificial. But then I feel like when you carry on and carry on and carry on, you almost like come out the other side. And yeah. the, the bit that you've noticed about the artifice is now the thing that like, you appreciate and i think it's a really cool way of getting very close to an author is by just reading yeah. so much of their stuff that you almost ruin it and then love it again the, there's a film shortcuts uh robert altman film that's that's based on his work right uh, is that a good introduction would you say I, I don't i haven't actually i haven't seen that oh right um okay. is it is it is it recent or is it 
1993, which for me is recent. For you, it's prehistory. That's it. For, for me, it's the year I was born, Clive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go to the year I was born, but the, which is pre-prehistory as far as you're concerned. No, it's it's um, it's inspired. I've got to note it's inspired by nine short stories and a poem by Robert Carver. So there's a there's a on his gravestone. Uh, is this his poem? It's a very poignant poem he, uh, and sort of confident, really. It's called Late Fragment. And did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. And that's quite a confident way to go out, isn't it? Yeah, we're like 12 days into the Edinburgh Fringe and I'm feeling a bit emotionally fragile and that is going <laughs> to give me a little class beautiful. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Your third wonder is running along a canal in the sunshine. Yeah, I love it. Yes. I love run- I love going for a run. I'm not very good at it, but I can just plod for a long time. And it's I really value having something in my life that I'm not trying to be the best at. Yes. I just I just do it because it's fun. Yeah. And then running along a canal, it's very beautiful, and you get these moments of beauty. But then you also get um, people that walk so annoyingly and get in your way <laughs> that you get a little bit pissed off, and then that makes you run faster. I love it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, but if you're a walker along the canal side, you you have to put up with these runners that come up. Yeah, get out of my way! Yeah. Then, Coming then, through! And then there's the cyclists that annoy everybody. Right, or the cyclists. Yeah. I think cyclists, you're, you're fantastic people. I think what you're doing for the planet is absolutely wonderful, but get the fuck off my canal as well. <laughs> you don't belong yeah. there. I'll push you in. <laughs> There's a there's a section of canal here in Edinburgh. It's down by Fountain Bridge, which is be, there's some university buildings. There's a little mishmash of redevelopment going on there. But alongside the canal, there's some beautifully laid out sort of I don't know if everyone know now that bit of the canal around there. And the beauty of it, apart from anything else, is there's quite a longish section where it's really wide. I mean, it's absolutely there's none of those problems about because sometimes the canal, especially the ones I'm familiar with in London, where you there are little bridges and narrow bits. Yeah, and it's yeah, very yeah. difficult for everybody to be accommodated. There are people cycling, people running. People walking people selling drugs they've all got to try and fit into the same area yeah it's all wide open spaces we know what cloud's been up to this fringe <laughs> yeah I, that, okay. that that wide open space is really good and then when you get to the viaduct that's when yeah. it's sort of you're, yeah. you're you're teetering on falling in yeah. um but yeah the wide open space i do still feel like um people sort of 
behave like gases in public spaces though where they just sort of spread out as wide as they can and yes um aren't necessarily that good at getting out of each other's way come see my show i talk a lot about this <laughs> i get very sort of angry about the etiquette of people on um yeah on the streets yeah so do you tick off cyclists who are cycling on the pavement and things like that or what give them like a well well that's a wave or you is you're directing or you're or you're hitting down at walkers slow no walkers. no it's if a cyclist was on the street i think i'd give them a, a, a stare and a tut yes i think is what i do the british way yeah it? absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah i feel like the only thing um less acceptable in this country than being a selfish twat is telling someone that they're being a selfish twat yes so i think yeah that's why we've developed the tut okay in this country yes and without wanting to stereotype in america you'd just shoot them it'll be uh, there be <laughs> Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. So running along. And is this part of a, an intense, you know, keeping yourself in trim sort of exercise scheme? I, I've noticed with a, with approval the fact that uh, the, the figure that you're supposed to walk 10,000 steps a day has just been uh, updated and it's down to 5,000 now. It's, it's normal. It's going to get down to me in a, another couple of uh, reassessments. Are you serious? Well, who said that? The well, scientists. the 10,000 10, figure, oh, I, sounds like somebody knows more about it than I do. I'll come to that in a moment. The 10,000 was an arbitrary figure culled from nowhere. Right. And then somebody's looked into it and they've said that basically 5,000, that, that's about it. 5,000 5, is as good, isn't it? There we are. So anybody who's just had a little bit of a long walk to come and see this, you've basically covered yourself already. <laughs> you go home and do my system, forget your keys at the top of the house, walk up and down it several times. Um, that's perfect. Oh, great. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm not sort of like, um, I'm not like a mad exerciser. I think in my early 20s, I was grossly unhealthy. And then when I hit my late 20s, I was like, I probably should do something about this. Yeah. Um, I, I had a sort of spell of wanting to do half marathons and I did do a half marathon. Um, but I found that trying to train for half marathons whilst doing various different comedy festivals isn't necessarily sort of conducive yes. to, to best health. So I got like a knee injury and stuff. So now I just like go on 5Ks yeah. just to keep the brain, keep the brain happy. How do you behave at a in a festival like this? I don't, I don't inquire into your private life, but, but some people, Terribly. <laughs> some people, you know, they're up all night, you know, in bars drinking in a way they might not do if they were on their own touring around or just not performing at all. And they can come back at the end of, three weeks or whatever it is at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe with extra weight and, uh, <laughs> and a damaged liver and whatever else they've done. I, I'm certainly damaging my liver. I'm 100% doing that. I feel like I walk, I walk and run loads when I'm here. So that sort of keeps things in check. Yeah. I would say my diet's pretty terrible, but I try and have like two good meals a day and then one meal can be a bit of a like oh, wow. throw it away kind of thing. But yes. um, I do stay up to the bars. But as you know, I, I'm, I'm 29 now. I am starting to feel hangovers a little bit more than I yeah. was when I was 22. So I have to, I'm, I'm careful yeah. with it. I'd say I sort of have like a, a two night on one night off policy. Oh, wow. That's quite a lot. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but 29, if you, if you keep going through if, another couple of decades, it comes good again. You yeah. can cope with the hangovers oh, really? again. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, really? I'm, Do you I'm, agree with that, everyone? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good to get, good to get some actual, you know, you know crowdfunding of opinions. No, I've, I've never, yeah. I'd never heard that before. That you. Yeah. Oh, I just of... thought I'd tipped over into a, a new era. Maybe I just don't care anymore. But, uh, <laughs> or maybe I'm being more sensible. And I don't realise it. But 
Um, anyway, uh, we might come back to that topic in one of your wonders later on. So let's, and I'm anxious, I want to get through, I've got to keep my eye on the time to get on to the fourth wonder, mm-hmm. because people in the audience have got other shows to go to. And, I've got my show to go to. All right. Yeah. What, what time does your show start? My show starts at 6.40. All right. We'll, we'll be over yeah. minutes before then. Uh, <laughs> so your fourth wonder is a show called And Juliet. Right. So some, some people may have seen this, uh, some people won't, they might have heard of it, but just describe what the show is, first of all, so Okay, so we, I saw this show in Melbourne and Juliet. It's a jukebox musical of the music written by the music Swedish music producer Max Martin. It, t- tell me if I'm getting any of this wrong, Clive. Yeah. And um, well, can I just interrupt? So there is, because I'm interested. No, because he's credited with that. But there's off. There's also other. You know, it's a jukebox mu- musical as well. It's got pre-existing songs in it as well. So, so, so it's basically yeah. all of the songs that he's written. Oh, so I see. They're he, all connected He never by sings him. them, so it's like right. he write he has written them for people like Katy Perry, Britney Spears, I, NSYNC. I get it. So he's obviously written for lots and lots of songs. So, and, and like every, every every thirty seconds, there'll be another song that comes on, and you're like, he wrote this one as well. This is crazy. And basically, what happens is me and my friends we went to see it in Melbourne. And for the first fifteen minutes, we thought this is one of the worst things we have ever seen. It would, it would, it would essentially like um, cue in. It, there'll be like a really cheesy line. So, so there's a non-binary character in it who um, goes, "I guess you could say I just feel like I'm not yet a girl, not yet a woman," and then starts singing the Britney Spears song. And you think, "What, what the hell is going on?" You cringe so hard, your eyes go back in the back of your head. But then 15 minutes pass and you sort of adapt to the fact that this is the world you're existing in now. And you're sort of like, well, this feels right. And then um, what happens is you realise that all of the cast are sort of in on the joke as well. And it just becomes this like uproarious, uplifting, cheesy camp experience that, that is like amazingly performed they're incredible singers incredible dancers the mm. band is insane and everyone just by the end is on their feet and yeah. it's one of the like greatest experiences i've ever had in a theater oh, right and absolutely it, astounding and it sort of st- it starts with romeo and juliet and it's sort of and it's giving a, di- a different ending to romeo and juliet or, or taking on the story yeah so it's 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 absolutely mad so it's basically like william shakespeare and anne hathaway are having a conversation with each other and Anne Hathaway goes, why did you have to do that to Juliet? She's just got rid of this bloke. That should be the start of her life, not the end of it. She shouldn't be killing herself. So she's woken up and found that he's dead. Uh, and and it's and in the original she kills herself then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anne Hathaway says no, she should she should get she rid should of this bloke. Live. It's a bit of a harsh way to say yeah, this this guy who was in love with her and she was in love with him. Yeah, but she was fourteen, in... Clive. Yes, she's got a whole life ahead of her. Yeah. come on. We've we've. Well, all... let's not stress the age thing because that 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 makes it sound <laughs> like she's got rid of Jimmy Savile. It was a, it was. <laughs> um, but you know, we we've we've all lost a husband and moved on. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So, so um, if you're triggered by this conversation, anybody, please. Uh, you have to, Clive. Uh, you have to give trigger warnings before you say the thing. Yeah. Well, I was. I, yeah, but you said it. I was just. Well, <laughs> I, I was just trying to help. Out. Retroactive trigger yeah. warning. Um, uh, yeah. So then Anne Hathaway is like to William Shakespeare, "You've got to rewrite. Ju- like you've got to do a sequel." Yeah. And and Juliet. Yeah. And Juliet is is the sequel of what Juliet gets up to, once. Romeo's it sounds yeah. mad and it is mad yes. but go and see it and you'll see that the madness pays off so it's a Swedish songwriter so it's a bit like a sort of 
It's like um, Mamma Mia, uh, but added to Romeo and Juliet and added to all the other uh, musical conventions. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot going on in it. It's, yeah. it's absolutely bizarre. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, it's one of those things we were like, how how did this get made? Like, how did someone, uh, after all of the descriptions that I've just given, imagine being in a pitch room and someone being like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Mad. But that, but they, especially jukebox musicals, there are other strange, strange things, aren't they? Because some work, well, like Mamma Mia and like the Queen one, We Will Rock You, yeah. which, which don't sound very promising on paper either. But, but as long as the music is enticing enough and there's something about the story, it'll succeed. But, you know, with all theatre productions, two or three succeed, another 20 fail. That's, yeah. the, that's the joy of being a theatre promoter or the, or the angst of it, if that's what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like the take that one isn't... Yeah necessarily fantastic well yes uh, it, you've got to find uh, uh, the sort of music that several generations of people will relate to in some way but the, for example there was a madness musical it's a perfectly good mu- musical but it's a, you know, a surprisingly narrow range of people really want to hear madness songs done on stage by not madness yeah and there's uh, like there's yeah. there's like two madness songs that you'd like to hear and then yes. after that you're like well, i think i'm done yeah. i'll go home now whereas queen almost every one of their tracks is now locked into everyone's Absolutely. brain yeah. and uh, and it could, you know people will enjoy that whatever the storyline the rather fantastical storyline that links them all together uh, so this sounds like I'm 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 I'll be open about it. I haven't seen it. it started in London but it's it's gone around the world as you say I I interview, I go to the theatre a lot because I interview actors and things but in consequence I only see shows really connected with somebody I'm I'm interviewing and I just haven't interviewed anybody connection with this show but I'm, I'm obviously aware of it and it's it's um, it won three awards the Olivier Awards was the top awards in London in 2020 so it's and it's commercially done very well so yeah. So, yeah. but but it, it, and you, that's a, a wonder of the world as far as you're concerned. I think that experience of watching it with all of my friends in Melbourne and just being absolutely blown yeah. away and euphoric is is my wonder of the Do world. Do you go to lots of musicals? Are you judging it against lots of, or is this just so you happen to be I, sort of out on a night out and you now remember it fondly? No, no, I love musicals. I really love musicals. Yeah. Maybe musicals bro- more broadly would be one of my wonders of the world. I just, yeah, I think they're so fantastic. And um, okay. yeah, some of my best theatre experiences have been like, watching musicals well I, oddly enough i haven't been drawn to that uh, simply because I, I haven't been given the free tickets but i, I think you make a good <laughs> make a good case uh, for for that but let's go on to number five which is karaoke yeah so this is presumably you singing along joyously and hopefully tunefully uh in the company of friends or or how do you enjoy karaoke? yeah well i feel like um I feel like I'm a good karaoke singer because I think I'm good enough that when you're drunk, it seems impressive, but bad enough, it doesn't look like I'm showing off. And yes. I think that's, oh, that's a perfect... Fa- that's a fabulous excuse. Let, let's enjoy an idea. You will realise I'm not showing off so we could all enjoy me. That's a <laughs> yeah. very good idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I feel like as well, what I said earlier about why I started stand-up is because if I could be a singer or a musical theatre actor, that is 100% what I would have done. I just don't have the talent, which is why I'm poncing around doing what I do instead. Um, So karaoke sort of gives me like that glimpse of like pretending I'm the front man of a band. And I really, and I really adore it with a fervent passion. Yes. And so, um, you have to go a little way to convince me on this. Uh, not that you have to convince me, but just to... Because I think people who like karaoke, it is great fun. Where was I recently? I think it was Devizes. And anyway, I was on my own doing a show. And I came back 
late-ish at night, not middle of the night, but late at night. And there was over the other side of the road from the place I was staying, there was a karaoke bar. And if you got sort of just far enough away, you couldn't quite really hear the music anymore, but you could hear the voices <laughs> of the singers. The wailing and they were people. Un- unremittingly <laughs> awful. I mean, I mean that, that's no reason why they shouldn't do it. But you think, blimey, O'Reilly, those are bad singers. That's even bad by my standard. I can hear how bad it is. So, so you've got to be, you've got to be there in the room doing it uh, and and throwing yourself into it enthusiastically. Otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something so cathartic about just like wailing from the depths of your stomach, even yes. if it sounds terrible to everyone else. You're getting something from it. Yeah. Do you, have you never have you never really done it? I I'll tell you a, a particular occasion I did it. This is slightly. Um, uh, Worrying to me, one of the other people do. One of the other people doing it was a guy called Phil Pope, who was a brilliant singer. He did the oh, the songs on Spitting Image. He usually did the singing. He he can do any rock band. Uh, he was in a show called Radioactive, and they had the heebie-jeebies. They did a version of the the three of them did it, but he basically did the voices in the Radioactive. He can do any anybody. He's, he's a friend of mine. And he's very very good. And I can remember even now the song he did. We all struggle with very simple songs. He did Purple Rain by Prince, which is almost impossible for Prince to sing. <laughs> but he did it perfectly. And you think, great, Phil. But uh, I'm not saying he was showing off because he couldn't help but uh, do it really well. And that has sort of scarred me a bit from carrying thinking that was a very inadequate performance I put in oh, whatever I, I sang. I love those moments, though, where someone like, does something Somebody completely proper. unexpected and yeah. like blows you away. Yeah. And, and Purple Rain is such a beautiful song. Like in the karaoke context, I think that would doubly sort of. It's quite hard to do it. though. The timing is uh, very, very difficult to to get right. And it's very long as well. Yeah. That's you've got to avoid that in karaoke. No, it was longer than Barry Sarsgaard because the longer he was doing it, the less time <laughs> I, a I wasn't doing it. What did they, you say? I can't, I can't even remember what day it was. It was. A, I was given a comic song to sing. So it wasn't even a even a um a, a, sing, a sing. I didn't choose it. I was Alec. It. And it was uh, it was not even a singing challenge. It was trying to fit the words into a sure. comic song. And comic so, who who likes comic songs? In the no, first uh, well, <laughs> don't be saying that too loudly at yeah. the Edinburgh Fringe. Oh, I suppose. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Clive, I'm going to some karaoke this Sunday. All right. Do you want to come with me? Do you know, Imagine I, I, <laughs> me and Clive oh, rocking up to karaoke oh, together. I so want to come to that, but unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not in Edinburgh on Sunday, but so I if, can't. If you it. had to, if you had to come. Yes. And you had to sing a song. Right. What song would you choose? Oh, uh, that's um that's good. I think I, I think a sort of screechy, you know, loud shouty song, you know, uh, I think Bruce Springsteen or lovely. Rod Stewart maybe, just something that you can really belt yeah. out in a loud way. I think Bruce Springsteen's right. What about something like Bat Out of Hell or something like that? Oh yeah, I well, I'd I'd love to do it, but I think that again is quite a hard song to sing. <laughs> I think it's beyond my singing ability. But again, it's not about yeah. that. It's just about um screaming, yeah. screaming with enthusiasm. Yes, I think yeah, you've got my level there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so karaoke, are you not you're not worried about as a, you know, you rely upon your voice as a comedian you're not worried about losing your voice or you know doing a karaoke night after a show the next night you could hardly speak you're not worried about that yeah but but we're like again we should worry more about that but i don't think we consider ourselves to be like artists like actors would do like a big vocal warm-up and stuff like that whereas we'll just like snort a line of lemsip or something (laughs) and be like yeah i'll be all right yes okay (laughs) Um, but but I, i love it i love it i um Simply the best, Tina Turner. Yes, yes. A very That's popular song in some parts of Scotland. Uh, so, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, um, I find that it's, uh, obviously she sings it like out astoundingly well. Yes. But it is quite like, if you'll notice, it is quite one note the whole way through. So it's, right. it's like, 
easier than yeah. you, you think it's going to be. Would, how about River Deep Mountain High, which uh, I think she was bleeding by the end of the recording. She had to do it so many times. Oh, really? Yes. I she had an abusive a... husband, Ike Turner. What, what, and, what? and then, and then, <laughs> I'm going to give you a retroactive trigger warning. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and and as as a way of sort of getting away from it, she was then produced by Phil Spector, who uh, a paid Ike not to be in the recording studio because he didn't want him there, and then made her do it so many times she was exhausted by the end of it, creating one of the best records of all time, which flopped completely in America, uh, interrupting his career. And anyway, so that's a bit of pop. No, music that's ama trivia. amazing trivia. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big Tina Turner fan. Maybe I should have yeah. put Tina on the list. Yes, um, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love All right, it. karaoke. Oh, we've got to move on. We, yeah, we stay in the area of music, though, uh, with Lady Gaga. It's a oh, wonder of the world. Okay, this is this is why I didn't choose Tina. It was probably a toss-up between the two of them. Yeah. I'm a massive Lady Gaga fan. I think she's an outstanding performer. I think she is a gift to us all. And I, I don't know. I feel like she just is a demonstration of a person who just, like, worked and worked and worked to her craft yeah. like she was going to you know three singing lessons a week four dance classes acting classes and i feel like she's just cre like created this machine of just the most outstanding performer that yeah. we have in this generation of musical talent yeah uh, just a bit of spice to the conversation did, did you not sometimes feel she sort of tries too hard in the sort of publicity way certainly at the beginning to attracting more and more a little bit of outrage a bit of crazy clothing that that slightly um put me off a bit in talking the, about the meat dress clive i'm talking about the meat i think she's <laughs> vegan isn't she but but at the time she had a dress made out of meat or appeared to look i covered. mean i'm a vegetarian that will occasionally indulge in some meat so uh, but you, you wouldn't know, wear I can't a, judge. you wouldn't wear a meat dress would you <laughs> or would you that's the big reveal at the end of the show i take yeah. my top off yeah. and i've got a little meat crop top on yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well we've all got a little meat crop top underneath our clothing haven't we but uh, <laughs> Some of us not quite so cropped anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> well, when you yeah. do your little strip yeah. at the end, we'll all see it. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the question? Well, I'll tell you about your I'll tell you where I'm going with this. And I, I, I must stop mentioning this, but I, I did an interview <laughs> which I, I was because I, I, she's recently died, I've, it's been on my mind. I had an interview with Sinead O'Connor, oh, yeah, and I and I thought she compared to some other people, you, 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 she had her moments and people want to go, but she always was, I felt, speaking from point of honesty she she had her opinion sometimes it changed in different things but she was always there with it whereas there are other you know highly publicizing female and male singers sometimes sound outrageous things and i'm not sure they really mean it they just they've worked out oh if i say that if i do a, a video set in a church or something that'll that'll attract attention do you, um, that, that i and that's how i approached lady gaga but i'm not an expert on her so and i know she's made a lot of great records uh, yeah. but uh, but anyway she's she's a wonder as far as you're concerned yeah but but i i do think like um that there can certainly be some like cognitive dissonance around it and acknowledge that all of this stuff is absolutely true but i still love her and, and but i think maybe we're just like in this bind with like extraordinarily famous people at the moment where in the when we started getting the cult of celebrity yeah there was something uncynical about celebrities having their public facing life not just when they're on stage as a performance yes. so you, you know when you're doing an interview or you're on a red carpet there, there there's something like the the art is is the cult of personality that they've created yeah. i think probably the difficult thing about that now in the age that we're living in because we are living in sort of the the most capitalism there has ever been when they create this cult of personality where it's 
that the art is is their self that's when it becomes more cynical because you know that that is to yeah. make as much money as physically possible yeah so i don't think we, we can certainly criticize the structure within which lady gaga exists and we can criticize her participation in it but she's not yeah. The, she, she's no. not the only one doing it. She's she's done what she's had to do to get the attention, sure. so she can make the record. Well, if if anyone's saying, "Well, I'm not sure about Lady Gaga," is there a track or a song of hers that you would say um, go with that or that album, that that record? Telephone that she does with um, uh, Beyonce. Yeah, greatest pop track of all time, in my opinion. Oh right, okay. Um, Born this way, yeah. song and album. Poker Face, people will know. Is that, is po that, poker is that Face good or or not? Poker Face is really good. It's not my. It's not. No. On my favorite album, I would say, um, yeah. Uh, but I think like Alejandro and um, yeah. th those sorts of um, sort of quite anthemic yeah. songs are certainly like you. You can't put it on and not want to dance. No. Yeah. Okay. I love her, <laughs> and it's a great name, Lady Gaga. I think it comes from the the Queen track, doesn't it? Uh, Radio Gaga. I think that's where she got the name from. Oh, I didn't know that. I, th I think so. You're I, I only know trivia. the trivia. I don't know anything about. <laughs> I can't tell you how to write a tune or, or sing one. But, um, but it, it must be funny when she's meeting. I don't know the uh, the King or the Queen or whatever. Oh, this is Lady Gaga. Oh. I, 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 I thought, are we related? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've got somebody in the family we used to call that. Um, uh, but <laughs> anyway, Lady Gaga, we're, we are running out of time, so we've got on to your seventh and last yes. uh, wonder, which is beer before dinner. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it's something I developed over the pandemic is where... Um, I'd have nothing to do, so I'd be waiting for Pointless to start at five fifteen. Because I was like, when point when 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 Zander and Richard are on the screen, it's it's acceptable for me to drink. Okay, <laughs> that was my policy. That's three quarters of an hour earlier than the traditional six o'clock start. For, for, yeah. Zander and Richard, yes, okay. the special circumstances. Yeah. And what I would do? Why don't you become a the Chase fan, and then you could start at five o'clock, which is oh. a. No, you what, don't recognize the chase obviously as a rival what program. i would do is i would um watch pointless live and then i'd go to itv plus one and watch the chase oh okay after. all right and i can see you're a hard-working stand-up comedian <laughs> <laughs> always getting done to work right <laughs> well you know yeah. I, I could have done a nine to five of writing jokes before pointless. Yes. I, I didn't but i could yeah, have you, yeah, um yeah. and yeah it'd be my favorite thing to you'd have a beer like and you maybe if you'd had lunch at like one or something, mm. you'd be, it'd be a bit of an empty stomach. So you'd have one beer and you'd feel the perfect level of tipsy. And mm. then when you have dinner, it almost feels like a drunk meal. Yeah. Which I think is the tastiest food ever is. It's okay. three o'clock in the morning. So I found that I sort of um, created this moment for myself where the food became like immediately heightened because the beer had sort of like unleashed my taste buds. Okay. And now if I can sort of reproduce that feeling, I do it whenever I can. Okay. So if the drink, the, the beer happens at 5.15 or thereabouts, when do you actually eat, eat the, the dinner? Is that, is that sort of at six o'clock or is it not until half past eight? About 6.45. 6.45. Yeah. No, I'm not getting really tanked up, Clive. I'm no. not. I'm not starting at 5.15 and then eating at nine after yeah. I've had about seven pints. Yes. <laughs> that would be what we call alcoholism. Yeah. Um, no, what I'm describing is fun and kooky. Yes. <laughs> and definitely well, not a problem. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a problem, but alcohol <laughs> has been mentioned several times throughout these these wonders. Karaoke is essentially <laughs> a drinking thing. Um, this is a beer before the 
football. Anyway, so uh, I'm, just, I'm just slightly worried about your... Uh, your, your, your yeah, um, we, well, you know, we can discuss that after the show. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you, but you, you prefer that or that, that's preferable to say having a meal, postponing drinking to having a meal and then having a you know, drink afterwards when you've got a full stomach and you can perhaps take it. In, not, uh, you can drink not, during the meal as well. I, I take your point. You want alcohol <laughs> with everything, but I'm just saying sometimes there's an argument for having it during and afterwards rather than beforehand because, you know, the, the alcohol can go straight into your system and make you drunker than you might need to be. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but there, there, another wonder of the world, I suppose, would be doing none of that and having a glass of red wine with, like, some delicious pasta. Yes. I like that too. I can yeah. be classy with it as well. Okay. <laughs> So it's a beer rather than a, a cocktail that some people like, you know, cocktail hour when they've got a, a mixture of alcohols getting them absolutely smashed before <laughs> they have dinner. But a beer is quite mo you know, modest in, in comparison to that. Yeah, it is. But it feels, I don't know, it feels like uh, an amazing treat, that, a beer. Okay. Yeah. Well, that uh, we have now run out of time. Uh, so thank you very much. We've just about got through all of your seven wonders. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for sh sharing it with us. Before I give oh, you a yeah. round of applause, I do have to select uh, your wonder of wonders. The, oh, okay. The, 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 the which of the wonders I felt on the basis of how you argued it. Uh, and uh, there, there are one or two that you've been very convincing on. Uh, I don't think I'm going to take up running along canal, though, to be honest, <laughs> uh, uh, or karaoke. I'm not sure I'm convinced about uh, Lady Gaga, but you have intrigued me, and I, I have now definitely thought of I must see and Juliet. So I'll make and Juliet your wonder of wonders. So thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Chloe Petz. Thank you, much, Chloe Petz. If you enjoyed this episode of My Seven Wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thank you for listening. Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.